Babies are so wonderful to hold. They're a little package of warmth, love, and joy. When they're calm, of course. <laughs> I have two babies in my life that I was able to hold recently. Here's a picture of Amira. Isn't she precious? And a picture of KJ. <laughs> of course, that one, you know, belongs to uh, the Van Alstyne family. We all have our jobs to do. I put that jobs in the plural because we have more than one. Through the course of our life, we have our paying job, of course, which means we provide by our, for ourselves and for others. There is the job of keeping your surroundings clean and neat, and that is such an awful job that it's called a chore. Some of you love that job. I just really don't understand. Or Lou and I don't understand that. Being a good spouse is hard work, not always, but often. Parents might arguably have the hardest job of all because parenting is 24-7, and it's really grueling when the kids are younger, but it, it gets, that part gets lighter, but the parenting job continues into adulthood. A student's job is to study. A child's job is to play. That's how they learn. They love their jobs. Kids do. Their job is to play. We could learn a little bit from them. All these and more are jobs that we do at different seasons of our life. And we get tremendous satisfaction from the work that we are put here to do. And we're not satisfied if we are thwarted in some kind of way from doing our jobs. Everybody has a job to do. And I think that the job of a baby is to indiscriminately spread love and joy. When they get older, of course, then they get to that stage where they look at you cockeyed when you try to take them out of their mother's arms. I was holding baby Riali. No, what? Riley. Why did I say it wrong? Riley. He's about nine or tenth, ten months by now. And um, so he allowed me to hold him until I stepped away from his mother to mm -hmm. talk to his brother. And then he started crying. So I was like, oh, I gave him back to his mother. And then he put his hands out to me. So I took him back. But I had to like be within an arm's length of her, or else he would start crying. So he kind of put up with me. He was okay as long as I was right there by his mom's side. But an infant, an infant's job is to spread love and joy indiscriminately. And there's something within us that responds to a contented infant in our arms. And tonight is all about an infant. Tonight we are celebrating the birth of baby Jesus who still spreads indiscriminate love and joy to all, even thousands and thousands and thousands of years, well I guess only two, thousands and thousands of years removed from his birth. We read about it in Luke chapter 2, these are very familiar words, Luke chapter 2 verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee 
to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. I love to hear birth stories. I want to know the details. I have so many questions about the birth of Jesus. Did Mary have contractions when she was riding on the donkey? How long was her labor? Did they have to hurry up and that's why they ended up in a stable? Was Mary alone with Joseph or were there other women there with her? Was it nighttime really? Was the cow annoyed that Jesus was taking his place in the feeding trough? Was the mouse really watching? <laughs> so many questions. But no, we're not told directly about a donkey or a stable or a cave or an innkeeper or any animals. We have filled in the picture from the sparse words of scripture. I want you to look at this image. It's a woodcut by the medieval German artist Albrecht Dürer. Okay, and just keep that up there for a little while. Um, he created this at the beginning of the, 18th, uh, the 16th century at the start of the Protestant Reformation. And notice that Mary and Joseph, I don't know how well you can see that, are wearing medieval clothing. Not at all what they would have been actually wearing. Mary's sitting in the manger, and Jesus is reading the Bible. You see that? The printing press had just been invented a few years earlier. And little cherubs are flying above, the, above with a crown in hand. But look at the rabbits below. Do you see the rabbits below? Now I knew that the cow and the mouse and the donkey and the camels and sheep, of course, I knew about them, but I did not know until I saw this woodcut that there were rabbits present at Jesus' birth. And I am delighted. <laughs> this, uh, this woodcut is actually called uh, The Holy Family and the Three Hares. <laughs> and actually Durer, was one of the first artists to mark a change in the way that art is done, reflecting a time of massive upheaval in the world. And maybe that's why I was attracted to it, because I feel like we today are living through massive upheaval in our world. And he was on the cusp of that, feeling it himself. Before him, European art was sacred, and each object in the painted had to have some kind of religious significance. But Durer put rabbits in Jesus' birth scene, which have no significance at all. He was fascinated with animals and with ordinary people. And the Bible, of course, Durer would have known that Jesus couldn't read as a baby. But having it there in Mary's lap signified the fact that the common people would have access to a Bible. That was really new in his time. It was a remarkable way 
uh, change in the way that Europeans saw the world to place Jesus into ordinary life instead of into a holy, sacred, uplifted, far away, removed scene the way he was normally depicted. We are given some amazing details in Jesus' birth story, but, but there's a lot that we put into it ourselves when we think about it. The first six verses of Luke that we read set the stage for where Jesus was born, why he was born in Bethlehem. And this verse seven alone is Jesus' birth itself. It just says, and Mary had the baby. Basically, that was the whole delivery story. She gave birth to her firstborn son, it says. And uh, just that one little verse about the birth. And then the scene shifts to the shepherds, but they're not really central. It's the angels who take over the stage. And in particular, their message is the focal point. So we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, the shepherd, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. For to you, to, to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. What a birth announcement that was. Born to you today, less than 24 hours old, is the baby savior, the baby Messiah, the baby Lord. Praise God, glory to God, the baby is here. So the birth story is really not at all about Mary. It's not about Joseph or the shepherds or the magi who were to come later. It's not about the manger. It's not about the animals. Instead, the birth story is really specifically laser focused on the identity of the baby. Every aspect of his birth story points back to who Jesus is really is. And I want to point you tonight to two small words in our passage. Jesus born to you today, our passage said. The two little babies that I were, I've been holding this past month are not born to me. They were born to their families, to their moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandparents and great-grandparents. I just had the privilege of holding them, but they weren't born to me. But Jesus was born to me. And Jesus was born to you. I don't know if you noticed those words. This is the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years earlier. He said, a child has been born for us a son given to us, Jesus born to you, Jesus born to me. Those two small words are good news of great joy to us because I need the indiscriminate love and joy of the baby Jesus. I need Jesus and you need Jesus. Sometimes in the youth group, you know, we go around, we ask if anybody has any prayer requests, and 
This has happened throughout the years. And somebody will say, well, pray for my friend because they need Jesus. They go like this, they need Jesus. And that's to me always a clue that there's been some kind of acting out, some kind of relationship struggles, some obvious thing going on there that needs some dramatic divine intervention or change. And I just want to say tonight that I need Jesus. And you. You need Jesus. And not because you or I are necessarily acting out. I mean, we might be, but it's not because of that. Or not because we are in a dramatic time of need. Although that also may be the case. Those are the times in which we really are aware of our need for Jesus. Or the people around us, sorry, are aware of our need for Jesus. But you and I need Jesus in a heart deep kind of a way, in a soul searching kind of a way. We need Jesus not so much for troubleshooting or for straightening ourselves out or for answering our prayers. I'm just talking about something deeper. It's for our completeness. It's for our resting place. You know that place where we are okay just as we are, where we fit in, where we have turned to our Savior, where we are forgiven, where we are whole, because we have accepted him and we have held him, the baby Jesus, and he has done his job, and he has brought us indiscriminate love and joy as we hold on to him. So today I'm asking you to receive the baby Jesus and to hold on to him as Mary is holding on to him in this drawing. Hold on to him, Savior, Messiah, Lord. And as you hold on to him, worship him as the saviors, as the shepherds did, as the magi did. And as you hold him, let baby Jesus do his job to bring you love and joy. Tonight we light the Christ candle. Robert Devon is going to come up and sing about that night. About the, was it night? About that night. <laughs> the way someone imagined it. And as he sings, it's okay to imagine Jesus' birth through your own natural lens because he came for you. But tonight is really about his identity. So even as we take some liberties imagining his birth, we are going to hold on to the reality of who Jesus was, Savior, Messiah, Lord. Let's hold on to Jesus. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at 
altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.